This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast hosted by myself, Piers Lindy, my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. Hi, Alok. Hey, Piers. How are you? It's been a quite interesting week, really. So we've got, we've got some news, but also we're going to talk about um, one of the big developments in uh, large language models in terms of multimodal and some big news for companies like um, sort of Adobe as well. Um, but you know, we can't stop really talking about um, vision and uh, uh, AI's gaining other human um, senses. So we're going to talk about AI news. We're going to do some uh, implement AI updates about what we're doing, where we're doing it as well. We're going to talk about vision today. That's going to be the theme. So chat GPT vision and also various use cases for it in business. We try and focus on AI for business. And we'll talk about AI of the week. You might be able to guess what that is already. One of the big things in, in tech generally is you have these what they call hype cycles. And there's also kind of frameworks and models for it where there's kind of a load of hype and then you get this kind of trough of disillusionment and sometimes it never it never sort of resurfaces from that but in most cases you get into the innovation curves s curves where the new technology inevitably um sort of takes over and the old technology kind of more or less always not, not fully goes away now the ai hype cycle you know there's been a lot of hype there's a lot of noise i'm sure that if you follow it or watch the news you're aware of it but the question is is you know how much is it hype how much is it in reality? Now, my personal view is there's always going to be hype because there's new technology, there's hundreds of millions of pounds going into it. You will get a probably some kind of trough of disillusionment, a sort of slowdown. But the point is, is that the actual, where, where the kind of waters are going to settle means that this is going to change the world in many ways. I mean, many people have already said that even if we stop today, that um, it's going to change lots of industries, lots of sectors, and lots of people's roles. And now, Charlie Munger, who's uh, Warren Buffett's partner, um, he sort of said that, you know, it's sort of a height. There's been a research firm called CCS has said that generative AI is going to experience a cold shower in 2024 due to the cost associated with it. Now, we're going to come on to the, the cost because usually in technology, especially new technology, costs fall very quickly. And in generative AI, one of the issues is the cost of using these models. But I think we're going to see change there as well. So my view, I like what yours is, is that yes, there is hype, but where it settles is going to be a place where, you know, the world has changed permanently. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, it's quite interesting. If you look at the perspectives of like, just say some people who work in say, um, you know, ML ops or like, you know, like they're looking at the, the cost of the AI tokens and things like this. And they say, oh, it's quite expensive. And they, they may be comparing it to other kinds of technology, which they, they're using. But if you actually think about what is it shifting, it's replacing creative human labor cognitive labor how much does that cost basically right like and so when you actually compare it from an roi perspective i was reading some interesting papers where they actually show that like even with significant investment provide it's targeted the right thing you can get you get payback within two to three months if, and, and less than a year basically so i think what we're looking at is the same object from different dimensions but as you said the power that has been unleashed and like we'll come on to it a bit later on but like it's profound there's some profound things that have shifted and i'll and yeah it's, it's profound and they also you made, you made a good point there is that you know, you, you may see that it's all this cost can be quite high if you're using it a lot, and some people are suffering from um, high is relative. Yeah, exactly that. So if your ROI is still, you know, a thousand percent or five hundred percent in terms of correct, some of the case we see with our clients, then it doesn't really matter. It's only going to get better. Yes. Um, so on that point, though, so OpenAI, they're cognizant of this issue. Um, so if you're using, say, GPT four, especially because more expensive, rather than three point five turbo, is that um. People are hitting sort of quite large costs, but also sometimes hitting rate limits if you're sort of hitting the API quite a lot. So what they're looking at now is adding the addition of storage, basically, sort of memory. 
and this is going to be sort of via the API, so kind of built in. And theoretically, what they're saying is this could reduce the cost of using, um, say, GPT-4 by up to 20 times. And, you know, once you get to 20 times, I mean, this is going to be the beginning. You know, as, as, as I said before, all technology over time becomes cheaper as more people enter the market. But once you get down to 20 times less of the cost of using something like chat GPT-4, there are very few use cases we're aware of currently where the you know, cost would then be an issue, is it? Yes, because they're doing a very clever thing because like in order to essentially insert intelligence into every workflow, that means that you need to be pinging the API quite frequently. And obviously they want people to use their system rather than someone else's system and go shopping around for like some open source model or different things like this. But by basically removing the cost from the equation and making things easy, they're just going to make all roads lead to open AI. And they want to be the platform and the infrastructure for um, you know intelligence on demand. And so it makes complete sense. And honestly, like they're, they're playing a very strong game. But remember... Google is not far behind and, and the other companies and Amazon and, and Claude, they're going to be making their offers too. So as a business consumer, you're going to be the winner here, basically, because you're getting access to like extremely powerful, extremely expensive models, and they're all beating each other down on price to make it available as, and as easy as possible for you. And that's why that, that research company, CCS, is that, you know, there may be a timing issue in terms of the, the sort of demand and supply and the cost of it. But I think that over time, the costs are going to fall. So I don't really see that cost of using these models going to be an issue. We've had these discussions with clients, haven't we, where we talk about, you know, do you say GPT-4, 3.5 Turbo, or an open source model, or a different model that's cheaper, or the performance isn't quite there, including in Claude in some cases. So we've stuck with OpenAI. I've got, I've got a question. What's the cost of sick leave? What's the cost of, um, you know, like um, being understaffed and, and people having to like allocate their work into something else and work not being done? You know, you have to look at the, the, the true cost essentially of like, of productivity. And I think it's quite trivial really when you look at some of these costs. Yeah, I agree. Moving on, 11 Labs. So this is kind of my favorite, it's your favorite, um, sort of um, essentially you can create your voices. It has a, a bank of voices you can use by just uploading content and text and read it out in a reasonable, natural way. But the beauty of it is you can clone your own voice. What they've added in 11 Labs is AI dubbing. So this is the ability now to you know, dub over your own voice in, in a different language, but it's, it's still your voice. It sounds like you. So it sounds like me speaking French or German or whatever language I've chosen. This is really, really powerful. And I've seen quite a few examples where now you can take your sort of YouTube video. And there's some cases where you can you know, YouTube are looking at overdubbing and also changing the shape of your lips, that kind of AI um, sort of lip uh, manipulation. Be like a sort of deep fake in that area of the picture in your mouth. With Level Labs, essentially, you can now upload text. You can speak it in your voice or in any other language. So if you've got customers or employees that are you know, they're not based in the UK, they speak different languages, you can actually communicate to people in any in language. And, and this is the, the beginning again, just like everything else in AI. Is that, you know, very soon, like, language barriers, the whole that phrase will be one, will, will be a thing of the past. Completely. And there's some interesting applications that I heard about some people talking about, for example, even accent removal tools. So imagine like call centers abroad. And let's just say, you know, in Vietnam, India, wherever it is like this. And then person who's answering the phone, they could be answering in a Southern accent from America or a different place like this. So, you know, like, and, and some companies would be interested in, in paying a little bit extra to kind of like personalize that experience where it could be a Geordie accent from Newcastle. Uh, and that's in real, uh, real time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not developed yet, but the people are applying these cases to the, the, some of those different areas. But yeah, so you can see, you know, like the unlock potential is, is enormous. I think this is a lot of talk about this. It's going to see rolled out in various applications. But the ability now to talk to anybody in any language um, is going to become, you know, the norm. Um, very, very quickly. 
Moving on to Adobe, so I use, I use Adobe Suite quite a lot and Photoshop to some extent, or Premiere Pro and other ones as well, and Adobe Firefly. They have their Max conference, one of their big, kind of big, they have these big conferences every year, these big tech companies. Theirs is called Max. And they've rolled out a whole raft of AI. I mean, basically, it was all about AI. So Illustrator, you can, you can create vector graphics in there now, just from doodles or having, if you've got a creative block, you can create a doodle, it'll take you on a journey help you come up with a, a solution. I've used Premiere Pro. I've been playing around with it and sort of Firefly as well, where now, so imagine an image where you're quite used to now just masking over something or drawing over it or sort of rubbing it out and it's gone. Now in an image, that's quite straightforward. In a video, you can have, you know, 24, 30 frames per second. So what they're showing now is you could take out details in video and you'll take it out of the whole scene so for example somebody bouncing on a trampoline dunking a basketball you can now take out the trampoline and that that's something which to do that if you've ever edited video masking is a major pain and, and that, that's going away so you're going to see that rolled out across the whole um, adobe suite uh, photoshop as well so adobe realized and we're going to come on to copyright as well they realized that you know i'll keep saying that once you start using this technology in your preferred application. And if it's good, the chance of you going back or moving somewhere else are pretty slim. Once you've got this power, and then once it's just like so fast to do it, it it's, it's just gonna become, honestly, it's really gonna shift things because like, you know, like vector graphics being generated, you know, different designers doing different things. Everyone has to upskill, like you say, about moving up the pyramid, right? Like adding, doing more complex work because a lot of these kind of like basic use cases are, are almost being commoditized. And I think this is just going to raise the standards of like generally everything because like if AI is going to help you do like a higher quality draft to begin with, then you you know, you know, you're going to have like much, much better. It just it's going to lead to more products, more services, more solutions and, and you know, a better experience for everybody. And, but yeah, I'm just really interested to see because I, I saw Adobe's things and like, you know, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah. So that, that creative support is called a project to draw and delight. Another thing I found really interesting is that if you're dealing with text, one of the things you have to try and do is try and replicate your, your own style or your business's house style. And now in images, they've called it um, Firefly's generative match. You can have an image or create an object. And you can have a sort of a base, a sort of reference object or image. And say, so, look, I want you to create this image in this style. And now it'll do that as well. So that's super powerful. Um, so moving on, Google's, on, again, going back to um, Im image generation. If you've used Midjourney, Midjourney has been probably the best option out there, but it's still locked into a, a Discord server. Some of you may not even know what a Discord server is, which I think part of the problem. So now you're seeing, you know, things like you know, OpenAI and Dali three. That's in ChatGPT, uh, and this one is that Google now are rolling out. It's currently in some kind of lab. It's in their search generative experience. So it's in a lab that's being tested. But very quickly, you're going to find that in Bard or Google Search or Google Images, wherever it might be, is that you can create an image on the fly. I think, again, once you're using you know, Google or using OpenAI, then you get used to these fantastic image generation capabilities. Yeah, are you going to be sort of you know messing around in a Discord server? I think that Midjourney are trying to get it onto the web. We quickly have been working on that, but I don't see any sign of it happening yet. I mean, the key metric in any kind of digital experience or even any kind of product or service is time to value (TTV). So that means like how long does it take before you actually get the value and the solution from that item? I mean, imagine you're searching on Google and you're like, okay, I want to have an image of this particular type of desk um, in this kind of style, um, I don't know, like a, in this kind of like interior design and you can't find it. And then you're immediately able to generate one in that style just there and then and go straight into your work. I mean, that's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, no, you need not to log into something else, are you? And, and on that as well, um, we've probably said in the podcast 
several weeks ago now. I think it was um, Adobe first, and I think it was Microsoft. You also are going to support anyone that's generated an image if they have a copyright infringement claim. So the, the jury's still out on where the law is on that, both in the US, as in some case law, or in some in, in the EU and the UK already. But if you use their tools and you are there's a copyright infringement claim against you, then they are saying that they're basically going to indemnify and back you up. And you're seeing all the big companies do this. I think, you know, most small companies probably don't think about this too much. Larger companies, this could be a new issue. When you roll this image, these images out in you know, global campaigns or packaging, um, things where it can be very, very costly if that image isn't supposed to be there. It's, it's a very clever strategy because we're in, in a new era where these kind of copyright laws didn't exist before and these different kind of um, scenarios didn't exist before. But by these major companies, which have, let's, let's face it, unlimited budgets, when they're saying that they will back anyone up, you know, what law firm is going to go after some of these ones? It's just not going to happen, isn't it, right? Like, uh, so what they're doing very cleverly is posturing to enable the mass adoption of, of, of these tools. I think also at some point you know, that the law will, you know, it will, will have case law that shows, and typically you have this sort of public benefit, and the case law is going to allow you to use AI-generated images. Because in, in any way, it's like a human, isn't it? You have inspiration for lots of different images, and you create new ones, but there's always some kind of inspiration behind it. I think that's where it's going to, it's going to land. I think there's a little land there. We're all going to have a problem. And it's not just images as well. It can be, it can be text as well, as you imagine. Imagine the issues that could cause. Another one on, on images as well is is a watermark. So once you have an image, and Adobe did something here as well, is once you have an image, how do you know where it came from? How do you know it's been AI generated? You know, what is the provenance of the image? People have been trying with different watermark ideas in the technology. Some is visible, some isn't. A method of launching one called stable signature. So the idea is you can, you can, you can, and you can see the watermark if you want to. Also, you can click on it, and it shows you where it came from, who owns it, and what technology was used to create it as well. So I think the jury is still out there, but at some point, watermarking, the ability to understand who owned this image, where it came from, how it was created, is going to be really important. It's going to have to be fixed and worked out. It's going to be, that's be quite a complicated scenario because if people take um, screenshots of images and things like this and cut those bits out, like is the data encoded within those but um, yeah, we're we're in a new era. And the big one, the big, big exciting one, we've been playing with all week. I was playing yesterday. I was at my daughter's rugby match and taking pictures of stuff and asking it questions. Is um vision and and chat GPT's additions. Now, I only got some of these over the weekend. Now, you you had some a bit earlier, didn't a few days earlier. But if you are a chat GPT plus customer, yep. you've now got Dali three, which is the image generation. We've been talking about that. You've now got a vision, so it can now see, it can understand pictures. And we talked about this, we'll talk about it a bit later on in the pod, but we talked about, you know, this ability, this sort of generalist capability of these large language models. And also you've got voice. So if you view things like Pi, um, which is a, a sort of a personal assistant, now you can talk to chat GPT in your, in your voice and it will talk back to you. And that's been quite interesting, actually. I was in the, in the car yesterday just chatting away to it. But doing some sort of research, really, for Implement AI, just by just talking to this application. And because it's ChatGPT, it's super powerful. What's also quite interesting now, you can talk to it and tell it to and describe an image and it'll create an image as well. So that's really powerful. So if you haven't got ChatGPT Plus, but was it $20 a month? I suggest you do. It's going to be life changing. Right, Amazon. Quick one as well, because Amazon, um, Starling, there's a, we talked earlier about competition and then prices being decreased. I know like you've got Starling, but in any, in any technology, you're going to see, because there's the size of the opportunity, other people enter the market. It's the same in AI. It's the same in, in uh, internet-based um, uh, Wi-Fi, essentially, or 
internet being or space-based internet. So Starlink, uh, thousand satellites have been launched already. Now you're seeing Jeff Bezos and Amazon come into the game. That's going to be really important because it means that you're going to see more competition in space-based internet and you're going to see the prices come down. Although yours wasn't that expensive, was it, to be honest? No, and it, and it included the, the the dish and everything like that, and it's it's really good. So you'll see the price of that, you know, come down and probably halve over the over the coming years, which is means more people can access the internet. That's going to be very interesting. Another interesting one is we talked about last week. I think we talked about robotics and the sort of generalist models that have been been developed. But um, what are they trained on? So we're now seeing uh, you know vision coming to um, GPT, and you know, computer vision was just one arm of a uh, machine learning for many, many years. And what you're seeing now is people are beginning to not run out of, but they want more specific, more focused training data. Previously, the training data was images that were available, images on the internet. There were lots of image banks where there were lots of machine learning. But now you can create your own data. So if you want lots of images of, you know, I don't know, a hand picking up a particular kind of object, yes, you can go find a video of that. But now you can just create the video on the fly. So you create the video and then you train the AI on that video or the image, or that text. So you're seeing more and more um, these models are being trained on on synthetic data. Now, I might mean they eventually, everything's been trained on synthetic data. So you get into kind of with a crazy loop because nothing's real anymore. I think that's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, and, and remember, like, they're still going to have real-world data. Like, let's just look at self-driving cars, for example. I mean, I think this is where, like, the whole gaming ecosystem is, is merging very well with these kind of AI models because I saw this example of, um, it looked like a video of someone driving through a normal city and it looked completely photorealistic. But the thing is, the entire thing was computer-generated and it was used to train self-driving car neural networks. And the thing is, like, when you, when you combine that with real data, you're going to like increase the capability of the systems much, much faster. But I, I think it's correct. Like you, I think these terms like organic, organic models and things like this will come in the future where you've got like, you know, with things trained on organic real data versus like synthetic data and stuff like this. Like, but I mean, in terms of like speeding things up because the cost to label and the cost to create is, is quite high, it, it's going to just help us like leapfrog stages of, of, of capability. Yeah. So in cars, that's what an example where you, know, you might not get many examples of it, I don't know, a fox crossing the road in the fog or something. So now you can create that um, scenario and then train the car on it or the, the, the air on it over and over again until it understands that, that scenario much better. That's quite exciting development, and we're going to see more of that. And the last one we're really going to talk about today is AGI, right? So we try and focus on you know, AI for business, but one of the fundamental event horizons in artificial intelligence, I think technology generally, is this concept of AGI. And a lot of the people that I, we, or I follow or we follow are now, are now being sort of talking about this concept of AGI. There's, there are different definitions of it, but any definition of it will be sort of met within kind of 18 months. And that's going to be a game changer because now not only do you have you have generalist models, you have generalist AIs, and this is why a lot of SaaS companies and um, they've, they're very specific, quite quite specialist, and eventually you'll be able to talk to technology and ask them to do whatever the hell you wanted to. Yeah, and 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 what I've noticed is like the more the capabilities of these systems grow, the more people are pushing the boundaries of like what the Turing test is or what the you know the AGI qualification is and things like this. But but I mean, you're absolutely right. We're entering a whole different a whole different way to interact with computers and software, basically, right? Like, uh, it's, it's changing. I'm saying now that AI is at the level of, it's got the the intelligence of a human toddler, which I find quite interesting, because most toddlers can't absorb the whole internet. <laughs> and then go through data, I, I mean, recourse quite different to intelligence, but I think you're going to see that move um, very, very quickly. And the idea of AGI really is just sort of a median general human intelligence. 
So when that does happen, our, our world's got to change significantly. And this is the point we keep saying about to our clients and if you're listening to this or watching this, is they, yeah, there, there might be some hype, but there might be sort of a trough of disillusionment. Overall, when you zoom out, that'll be a tiny blip in an exponential curve. And when this does take off, if you're not ready for it, you're not prepared, you're not thinking about this, you're not strategizing about it, or starting to implement it in your business and everything you do, it's going to be very, very hard to catch up. No, and the, the key thing is you can make it take off because like the big idea here is that you can actually use AI to unlock whole new opportunities from your data, which you can then drive commercial growth from. And that's the big idea, like, you know, taking, using these tools, using this advanced analytics to be able to, you know, uncover, you know, missed calls, missed meeting opportunities, you know, missed, missed customer requests. And, you know, all these sorts of things can be unlocked as soon as you want them to be unlocked because the, the power of capability is already there. So, you know, like we'll, we'll talk in the, in the vision thing. There's a quite interesting thing. I'll come to that when we come to there, basically. So this week's theme, we're going to focus on uh, on vision. So we've said over the many weeks that you know eventually AI is going to have all of our own senses. Now, initially, we've been speaking to or used to getting talking to AI through chatbots, which is quite quite something that we're quite used to because it's what we tend to do on our phones. And what you see now is the ability to converse using natural language, and you know ChatGPT now will talk to you. Um, slight delays is thinking, but it is becoming faster and faster. But the big one, and we think, is a huge game changer, I and mean, you don't always quite know to what extent yet, it's vision. So now if you haven't got ChatGPT Plus, and then we always say, we suggest you get it, whether it's for your business, whether it's for your this personal educational use in your personal life, it's $20 a month. So what they've now launched is the ability is, is that ChatGPT can now see. So you can, not only can you use Dali 3 to create images, you can upload images and ask it questions about images and it will understand images. And Dalai, you spent many years, you know, working in dentistry on you know, computer vision. And these models are very in machine learning, very expensive to train for very specific use cases. And now, as we always say, you've got these generalist models and generalist capabilities that can be applied to a, a whole range of sectors. So we want to talk a bit about sort of go over the into what vision is, its capability, its usefulness, and maybe talk about some business applications, there's some ethical considerations as well, maybe a few case studies. No, that, that sounds good, Piers. So vision is so powerful because when we write text and we want to describe what we might see in a scene, we're limited to how well we can describe it. But if we're thinking about vision, we can actually like everything, all the pixels, all the um, entirety of what we can see within there. Now, just to kind of give you some context, there was a very classic computer vision problem, which I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a grid of nine squares and they have um, combinations of chihuahuas, so the small dog, and blueberry muffins. And sometimes the chihuahua looks like a blueberry muffin because based on where the blueberries are basically, right? Like, uh, or cookies and um, chocolate chip cookies. And computer vision could, before, it could identify some of them, but it couldn't identify um, all of them. And it would sometimes think that a cookie or a blueberry muffin was a chihuahua or the other way around. I saw that they had uploaded that same use case and that same test into GPT Vision and it perfectly identified all of them. It perfectly said which one was a chihuahua, which one was a, a cookie or a blueberry muffin, which is insane, basically, right? Someone wrote down, um, you know, computer vision is now basically solved. Um, the capabilities are extremely powerful because it can not only 
identify what's within the images. It can also identify text from handwriting. It can convert that. And this, there's so many fundamental powers that were possible within this. I was doing some examples where I was uploading an image and I was asking it to explain what was visible in the form of like structured data. So it was able to output a table showing all the different elements that were visible. I even took an image of a street sign and um, like a big banner sign, and it was able to extract all the text from it. So we're going to see quite a lot of applications where we're suddenly taking the unstructured data of what's visual and we're able to extract, you know, the structured data in whatever format we want, whether it's a table, whether it's a JSON file, whether it's text. And um, yeah, it, it unlocks a lot of capabilities. I, I can I understand concepts as well. So I was playing on my mountain bike friends and I was sort of chat brief and I was, it was a you know, back of a bike, got the gears and the derailleur. And the, if you know a bit about bikes, the, the hanger that where the gears hang on was bent. Now it's only bent slightly and he sent a picture and said, what is this and what's wrong with it? And it knows it's a derailleur. It knows that this rear mech hanger is bent. And then it suggests what to do with it because it knows that anyway from its general training data. So it's super powerful. Now, when you, you automatically start thinking about, you know, surveillance, um, be able to, you know, track human beings, all this, all these kind of things. But the, as Alan was saying, the, the ability to hold something up essentially in front of a, an AI, it understands it and everything that's in that image is incredibly powerful. And that we've been sort of racking our brains going for different kind of use cases for our clients. And we've got up several, but there are probably so many we haven't even thought of yet. So what do you think the business applications are, the media ones? So immediately you've got quality assurance. So for example, let's just say within a kitchen, you want to kind of, um, for the dishes, you want to be able to like standardize and see like, are these matching the quality of what we were looking to do? You've got counting, for example, number of people in a shop, number of people buying particular items, different things like this. You've also got like, you know, if people want to build um, systems which will take handwriting or documents and then translate it into something else. There's so many um, different applications that you could kind of use within this, even like diagnostics. And um, I've seen people upload x-rays and it can even give some examples and images and information from like either like a a, um, a rash or, or, or like an x-ray. Now, it's not a medical professional, so you can't take that as a final, but this, there's many, many different applications where someone with no knowledge is able to get some higher level of insight into it so they can ask better questions. So I think the key thing here is like, it takes people with zero domain expertise and it gives them much, much more clarity and insight into wherever they are. And that's powerful. As we always say, if you want to start making your journey into becoming an AI-assisted organization, think about training as the first step in our AI Activate 60-day sprint. So a lot of our clients now come to the end of that, actually, and we're, we're seeing some fantastic results in terms of developing MVPs, deploying our AI agents, and the ROIs that they are experiencing. So hopefully, they'll be going on to another um, development program too. So again, it's, it's really important that you understand the, the the, the potential issues with AI, and you've got sort of policy and governance in place to deal with it. Something we say, you should always start with that before you start deploying AI in your business. Now, one of the ones that Alan mentioned, though, is people are quite familiar with, is is, is QA, so quality assurance. And what this is very, very good at is, is looking at products, especially physical products, and, it, and, and saying, you know, is this okay? Is it acceptable? Is an issue with it? And it can be foodstuffs, it can be packaging, it can be anything almost. So it's very, very good at that. And, and that used to take a huge amount of training and very expensive machine learning models just to learn to recognize an issue, one specific um, skew. Whereas now, a sort of generalist model can look at anything, it knows what a sort of what the norm should be, uh, and can sort of highlight any issues with that as well. So in large businesses, a lot of the large retail companies, you can see the ability to, I think, is to. You know, look out of your shop floor and analyze your know, people, movements, expressions, who they are, you know, demographics, age, uh, you know, gender. There's so many things you can do with this that it is 
it's very good at doing just completely out of the box. Visual search, so being able to look at something and then search something that's similar, I mean, it's very, very powerful as well. Small businesses, lots of applications there. I think for retail, just like large companies, because they're kind of democratizing access to that kind of a technology. If you've got a small business, then lots of applications as well. Whereas you know, before getting, you know, ingesting data, content, comparing things, um, creating catalogs, creating images, the ability now is, is to have an image or previous image and then create ones that are similar to it. So now the beauty of it is you can now have an image and read the image, understand the image, take the information from the image. You can have an image, you can understand this context, then create a similar image or update the image and use that in your literature, whatever it might be, or brochure, or your menu, whatever it might be. So there are lots of ways in which vision and we've been racking our brains trying to work out what is what are the immediate use cases for this for our clients and we're not quite there yet and what they all are. But there's a lot of basic ones where we previously it was extremely expensive uh, and now it just isn't. It's, it's almost out of the box. It's in chat GPT. So I think vision is going to be one to track and one we're going to follow. And we're going to have a play around with it and see what we can do, see where we can deploy it and use it for our clients. And we're going to come back to it over and over again. Again, this is one of the senses. You've got you know the ability to write and chat and speak. You've now got vision. They're probably the key ones. You are going to see you know smell and taste eventually. They're a bit further down the line. But now... Almost, you can input anything and provide access by the LLM with access to almost any data that you choose to now. We'll put some images up, I think, um, if you watch this on YouTube. If you're not, go and have a look. I have some examples of this so you can see what we're sort of um, talking about uh, in terms of the capabilities of vision. But they are they are enormous. And there are sort of, I will mention, medical ones where you can look at um, scans, it can look at um, plans, it can understand the layout of a house or an apartment, for example, understand what, what each room is, what the size of it is. It can look at a room and, and suggest different layouts, different furniture choices. It's incredible. So go have a look at that on the internet if you haven't yet. So have a, have a play around with it in chat GPT. Upload any image and just ask it to describe the image to you. And, and then just think about, it's quite hard to take these things for granted. Once you do that, just think about what actually is happening, what is going on, and what doors are showing in terms of capabilities. So that's it. Our AI for the week is going to be ChatGPT Vision. It's a no-brainer. If you haven't played with it, it's worth just paying for one month, $20, just to go and do that. And just, as we said, just sit back and take in the power of this technology. That's it. Uh, if you haven't signed up for AI inside a newsletter, please do. Um, come to our events if you can in Manchester uh, have a look at our white papers and download them as well please rate and like the pod we've been travelling around this week so it's not always easy to get this out of the doors we like it to be uh, and please rate the show if you enjoy it on Apple and we'll see you the same time next week